Embarking on a great adventure. Facing unknown dangers. Utilizing groundbreaking technology. Going where no one had gone before. On today's Exploring History podcast, we'll dive into an exciting story about a world-changing American accomplishment that uplifted our nation's morale and expanded our world's scientific frontiers. Welcome to Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. Hi, I'm Ray Notgrass. Thanks for listening. When William Anderson enrolled in the U.S. Naval Academy in 1939, he knew he wanted to serve his country on submarines. He did that in the Pacific during World War II and the Korean War. In the 1950s, the U.S. was locked in a Cold War with the Soviet Union. Each side wanted to show that it was preeminent in science, technology, and the military. The U.S. pioneered a major development in submarines when it launched the world's first nuclear-powered sub, the Nautilus, in 1955. This was a major step in naval technology. Diesel-powered subs had to resurface daily, but this new vessel could remain underwater for months at a time. The Nautilus was built in Connecticut. At the time of its commissioning, the Connecticut General Assembly unanimously passed a resolution praising the sub as a mighty force for the preservation of peace and stating that it was the Assembly's fervent prayer that God will pilot her and the country that built her. The Navy named William Anderson as captain of the Nautilus in 1957. That year, 1957, was a critical one in U.S.-Soviet relations. In October of that year, the Soviet Union launched the world's first successful artificial satellite, Sputnik. All of a sudden, the U.S. appeared to be behind the Russians in technology. Even worse, many Americans feared what the Soviets might do with that apparent advantage. Would they spy on us? Would they attack us? The United States launched its first satellite in January of 1958, but the next U.S. launch attempt failed. With civil rights growing as a contentious issue following the integration of Little Rock Central High School in 1957, and with the country apparently trailing the Soviet Union in technology, there seemed to be little for Americans to cheer about. Captain Anderson wondered how the Nautilus could contribute to scientific knowledge and provide a boost to American pride and morale. He envisioned leading the Nautilus on a mission underwater at the North Pole. The Arctic Ocean and the ocean floor beneath it were literally uncharted territory. No reliable maps or charts existed. As a result, many questions remained unanswered. For instance, how thick was the polar ice cap? What was the geography of the ocean floor? 
In addition, the proposed mission was fraught with potential problems. What if the Nautilus got stuck under the ice cap and couldn't get out and couldn't communicate with the outside world? What would it mean to have a nuclear-powered sub with over 100 crewmen on board under the polar ice cap? Many years before, an Arctic explorer compared the hardness of the ice cap to granite. That is what they would be sailing under. How difficult would navigation be with a magnetic compass pulled toward the magnetic North Pole, but with the sub at the geographic North Pole? How well would a gyro compass work there, where the surface of the Earth did not spin as much as at other places on the globe? The sub might go around in circles and the crew not even realize it. They couldn't use a sextant to navigate because they would not be able to see the stars. Would you want to be in that crew? The mission had geopolitical implications also. The Soviet Union considered the Arctic Ocean to be its backyard. Over one-fourth of Russian territory lies above the Arctic Circle. The USSR might see a U.S. Navy submarine in the Arctic as a military provocation. However, we knew that any missile attack launched by the Soviet Union would likely pass over the Arctic, so an American military presence there seemed like a good strategic idea. Anderson and the crew of the Nautilus made several unsuccessful attempts to reach the North Pole. Each time, they had to turn back because of equipment failure or for other reasons. During one attempt, the sub struck the underside of the ice cap and damaged both its periscopes. On another attempt, the sub was simply lost at one point, but the crew managed to make their way out from under the polar ice pack. In July 1958, the Nautilus and crew departed from Hawaii for yet another attempt. Would they make it this time? The mission was top secret because the American government did not want a public relations disaster on its hands if the sub was lost. The sub entered the Arctic Ocean through the Bering Strait off the coast of Alaska. In the Arctic Ocean, it had to maneuver around ice beneath the surface. The scientific crew determined that the ocean floor was rugged terrain, including peaks they estimated at over 9,000 feet tall. On August 3, 1958, the Nautilus neared the North Pole. Captain Anderson addressed the crew on the sub's public address system by saying, As we approach the pole, I suggest we observe a moment of silence dedicated first to him who has guided us so truly. A few moments later, the Nautilus pierced the pole, as one crewman put it, and the party began. The crew had staged a contest to determine the best idea for a postage cancellation stamp for envelopes to be mailed, so to speak, from the North Pole. One of the envelopes with the winning entry is now in the National Postal Museum in Washington, D.C. Another crewman appeared as Santa Claus with a suit made from red bunting and white medical cotton. Sonar readings indicated the ocean was 13,410 feet deep at the pole. The Nautilus continued to Iceland. Anderson was taken off the sub and transported to Washington for the formal announcement. Then he returned to the sub when it was docked at a port in England.
The sub and crew made a triumphal entry into New York Harbor and were given a ticker tape parade before an estimated third of a million cheering, proud Americans. The accomplishment of the crew of the Nautilus was major news around the world. The amazing voyage of the Nautilus accomplished its goals. The submarine went to a place in the world's geography where no one had ventured before. It demonstrated the technical, scientific, and military expertise of the United States and restored American pride. It also served notice to the Soviet Union that the United States could defend itself against an attack. The possibilities for further American accomplishments were indicated when the second American nuclear submarine, the Skate, pierced the pole just a few days later. The significance of the accomplishment of the Nautilus, Anderson, and the crew continues today. At the time it was built, the Nautilus was America's only nuclear-powered submarine. Today, the entire American submarine fleet is nuclear-powered. The Arctic region continues to be the scene of competition among the countries that border it, especially since it is believed to be the source of considerable mineral deposits. The voyage of the Nautilus clearly staked America's claim as a player in the Arctic. William Anderson soon retired from the Navy and returned home to Tennessee. He later reflected, God had blessed me in many ways, and I was feeling particularly grateful that evening for each and every one. Anderson served four terms as a U.S. congressman. I have a personal connection to this story. One day, Congressman Anderson came to my hometown and presented to my Boy Scout troop a flag that had flown over the U.S. Capitol. So on that occasion, I got to meet Captain, then Congressman, William Anderson. I tell the story of William Anderson and the Nautilus and their adventure to the North Pole in Exploring World Geography, the high school geography curriculum from Notgrass. The curriculum includes many other amazing stories of human geography, how human beings and the world's geography interact. The highest compliment that a Navy captain can receive is the praise of his crewmen. When Anderson died, the Navy veteran who had been the navigator on the Polar Expedition delivered the eulogy. In the printed program distributed at the service, several crewmen had written their thoughts about their former captain. One crewman wrote, I would have followed him anywhere. What a powerful legacy that Anderson left behind him. I'm Ray Notgrass. Thanks for exploring history with me today. This has been Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, and please leave a rating and review so that we can reach more people with our episodes. If you want to learn about new homeschool resources and opportunities from Notgrass History, you can sign up for our email newsletter at exploringhistorypodcast.com. This program was recorded and produced by me, Titus Anderson. No relation to William Anderson. Thanks for listening.